Hello, everyone. Hey. It froze for a second. I got a little nervously nervous, but <laughs> <laughs> now it seems you to work. You got a little what? Nervously nervous. Nice. Anyway, it's the holidays. You have to make up words. Well, that's... I don't limit that to the holidays. That's so very true. No, you use you use can, actual so. words that nobody knows, so <laughs> it makes everyone feel stupid. Do, do that every once in a while, and then mostly make stuff up. Yeah, well, uh, I hope that we're not going to. <laughs> I'm not good at transitions. You are. Um, that was a bad use of hope. Well, no. but we're not talking about hope today. Anyway, week, that was last yeah. week. I'm looking at your thing here, but we are talking about peace. Yes, we're I talking about peace this week. the title when I changed my notes, so the oh. title is from the previous. We're talking week, about so. peace this week, but I was thinking about that this morning as I was having more coffee than I should have, um, and I think I might have mentioned this That's last your normal, week. That's normal, right? True. Yeah. Um, that they all these themes all do kind of tie into one another. They do. Um, right. They all kind of require really one another one to move right other. right that's the better way of putting it yeah. um i'm obviously not going to be good with words today which is wonderful for a podcast so welcome <laughs> the englishing is a struggle <laughs> putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable <laughs> uh but we are talking about peace this week if you haven't yet um that's distracting <laughs> if you haven't yet watched the sermon um oh i need to talk to you about that. <laughs> if you haven't yet watched the sermon uh you can check it out on our Facebook page or on our YouTube page. We just YouTube have this whole page. free form, freestyle. <laughs> Go with the flow. Free I was going to tell you that I haven't, post, free. I haven't posted the audio yet because it needs to be clipped and I didn't oh, have the thing to do. Okay. So, welcome to the insight of what, how we post Can sermons. Can do. Um, I shall clip the audio clip today. It, clip it good. Um, so, yeah, you will eventually find that. Now I will have Devo in my head. You will eventually the find the, the audio for the sermon on the uh, podcast as well, hopefully today, along with this. So, you're getting two for the price of one in one day. Two for. Two for two for Tuesday. Bogo. Wasn't that a Pizza Hut thing? Two for Tuesday. It was. A, it was somebody had it. Okay. And you could get two somethings on Tuesday for right. the price of one. I wish it was pizza. Um, you can never go wrong with two pizzas. Pizza. That used to be my favorite thing about Little Caesars. You used to. The pizza, whole pizza? theme of Pizza Pizza was you got two for the price of one. I didn't know that. That was their whole thing. I have never had a Little Caesars. Really, it's Gabe's favorite, actually. I don't even know where there is one. Niles. Oh. And right on 11th Street, you can Is the idea that you in. can just go in and then get a pizza, like you don't have to order it? That's their hot and ready that they have now, yeah. But so can you call ahead and order it? Yes, yeah. Okay. So if you have a specialty thing or, you know, you want to have a specific thing, call But they have, like, a stack of, like, sausage ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of, you know, like... Welcome to the business plan of Little Caesars. It's, it's actually pretty good. I'm a Pizza Hut gal myself. If I'm going, I can you know, dig it. chain restaurant pizza, mm-hmm. but uh, we just had some Romas the other day that was pretty cool. See, I don't consider that a chain. No, <laughs> but the Romas is good. I like their crust. I like Patelli's here in town. Mm-hmm. I like pizza in general. If yes, you throw it's... if you throw a DiGiorno at me, I'm not gonna not eat it. So, no, my daughter's <laughs> my my daughter's favorite is barely pizza, but it is pizza. It's Jack's cheese frozen thin crust cheese frozen pizza, which no. is more like a. I'm Almost out. a tortilla. If I want a cracker, yeah. I need a cracker. <laughs> but I don't do thin that's crust what pizza. Emma likes. No, and Emma, so. you're wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> you will grow with wisdom and age. Um, <laughs> Which is interesting since she's lactose intolerant. So oh, well then I would think she'd like a cheeseless pizza. I used to work when she I was. She lives for cheese. When I was in high school, a lot of I lactate. worked at. Well, when I was in high school, I worked at the pizza place downtown. Uh, <clears throat> when it was called Graziano's. 
Because and it was actually it was owned by the Grazianos. Yeah. yeah, it is where Patelli's is now. But I worked there, uh, and the, one of the perks was you could take a pizza home every night. And so, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why didn't I work? It was there? like you'd get home at like eleven o'clock at night, and you'd be like stinking of yeah. pizza dough and sweaty because you were standing by an oven all night. But they would make little eight-inch pizzas, and I would often make a pizza with X. I loved their sauce; they made their own sauce. Did you do the Steve special? No. With the pepperoni under the cheese? No, but believe me, he would come in there. Hi, Mr. Graziano, if you're watching this. He would come He's in not, there. but okay. He would come in there, and I'd be making a pizza, and he'd go, Cozio, get out of the way. Let me show you how to make a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm working here. Anyway, I really enjoyed that job. I had it for like three or four years. Um, I was coaching with Graz at the time. One of the best things was... He was he, also my driver's ed teacher. They would provide... Uh, Pizzas yeah, up yeah, in the yeah. box. Oh, and yeah. So that was that busiest. Was guess what the busiest day of the year was there? Busiest day of the year? Yeah. I couldn't even begin to guess. Day after Thanksgiving? Day bef- Night before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Because nobody wants to cook. Right. Because you've been already doing it. Right. So we always had to work on the night before Thanksgiving. Anyway, I ate some pizzas with extra sauce and like without cheese and pineapple and ham because that's my thing. Hey. We've spent a long time talking I've about pizza. So let's talk about never met a pizza I didn't like. Let's so. talk about peace. Piece, <laughs> so a, a piece, piece of a piece of pizza. pizza, and instead we'll be looking at a, the, the piece of Christmas, right? And Which so, is an everlasting piece, mm-hmm. <laughs> where pizza is only temporary. Mm-hmm. But in heaven, perhaps we have everlasting pizza. I mean, there is a wedding feast. So, but is, are you going to have pizza at your wedding feast? You're asking me if I have an option. Did you have pizza? Absolutely. Did you have I pizza would. at your wedding? We didn't have a wedding feast. We had a dessert reception. I mean, I'm okay so. with that too. And every day since has been a feast. Oh gosh. In three decades. I say every day since has been a dessert reception. I'm like, well. <laughs> well, it has been sweet. Uh, I'm leaving. And satisfying. I'm leaving. Okay, let's talk about peace because I don't feel very peaceful right now. Hey, you started this. Uh, whole show. I was talking about pizza. So you've taken us down a very dangerous and distracting path. I'm a, I apologize. <laughs> so maybe you didn't have enough coffee. It, it, or I think it was too maybe much. Maybe it was too I much. I think it was a little too much today. <laughs> so anyway, as we're talking about killing Christmas peace, we're, we're really looking at this idea that um, we chase after peace mm-hmm. by our nature. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, we're hardwired to want this. And... Uh, and that's not surprising. I mean, we can see it in, in, in even the creation account. And we kind of started by looking at Genesis, the first three chapters there. And when God creates, um, even, even at the beginning of creation, when the earth is formless and void, and we have this picture of chaos, God speaks order into it and brings peace and brings order out of this chaos. And so um, what we encounter when the man and woman are created is this perfect Harmonious shalom is the the Hebrew word. This idea uh, of a fullness, completeness, um, harmony is the best parallel that that I can come up with in my mind. Uh, there are probably many other better things, but but when I think of this, that this harmonious relationship of all things is really this idea of complete peace that we see in, in the concept of shalom. And that's the piece that we see throughout the Old Testament, this, this description of hoping for shalom, looking forward to shalom, mm-hmm. the, the, the Messiah coming uh, to deliver Israel into this eternal shalom. And, and when we see what's going on in the Garden of Eden, there is no conflict, there's no sickness, there's no death, there's no dissonance of any kind. Um, there, uh, every 
everything works together and nothing works against itself. So there, there are you know, so many of the different things that we now know as normal, that we would even consider uh, physical laws, mm-hmm. are different. They're just, it's just not the same because the, the curse has not come upon the earth because sin has not entered. So when we, when we talk about these things, we need to recognize that, that the, the, the break there is the separation, sin separated all of us from the source of peace, God. The, the, the Lord himself, the creator of all things, who establishes perfect peace, designed things to work in an orderly fashion with perfect peace and harmony, and we broke that, if you will. So we, we were separated from him. Therefore, ever since humanity, and according to what uh, the Lord tells us in Genesis 3, all of creation, the cosmos now, is working in, in an adversarial way. So we're, we're contra-reality. You know, I think we've talked about this mm-hmm. before. If we're, if we're sideways of God, then everything in our reality is not as it should be. There's, there's a conflict. And so when we try to come up with peace through human solutions, it's always going to end up falling short because we're still at odds with the peacemaker, with the, the one who designed us for this piece. When you say that, I I was looking at this on Sunday, and I've always looked at it from a, a, a humanistic perspective, because I can understand that as humans, we're not at peace. But when <laughs> I think about <clears throat> other aspects of the planet, uh, the growth of vegetation, the food chain of animals, the life, that always, I guess, to me has seemed right. Mm. And I, I don't know a better word for that. Like that is what's supposed to happen, mm. but not really. Because, I mean, I, as I know in the, in the Bible, it says there'll be no, you know, the lion will lay down with the lamb yeah. so that obviously there's going to be what, no more animals killing animals or so is that, right. is yeah, that a restoration a of that shalom? So is that a result of sin as well? Animals killing other animals? It, it appears to be that way in scripture. We don't see any uh, animal death. I'm just thinking of peace as as a worldly. Yeah. We thing. don't we don't see any of that taking place until sin enters. Mm. Now, how does that work with vegetation? I, I won't pretend right, to know. Right. None of us actually know. So we can come up with theories, just same as and and, and Christian Bible believing people do this the same as atheistic, uh, you know, uh, Darwinian evolutionists coming up with theories mm-hmm. of the beginning. What we know is what God told us. So we know that the scriptures are true, and therefore we know that when God says this is how it happened, this is how it happened. What he doesn't do is tell us the details Mm -hmm. of what does that look like in this. When we're talking about sin and death, does that include uh, decomposition of matter that seems to be built into the system, or was that part of the intended piece? Is is vegetative decay, Mm -hmm. is that something that uh, predates sin? And people can come up with all kinds of theories, we're not given those details, right. which means God doesn't intend for us to settle that mm-hmm. until until we're home, until we're in heaven. It's just an interesting it's thought not, to see how that affects the whole world. It really not does. Just, not yeah, just us. Yeah, that's right. And and so when we look at, at him speaking the curse in Genesis 3, um, everything which was previously good is now cursed. Mm. So marriage, which God built into the creative order, the man and the woman, to be paired together, uh, his first command is be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, right? So God commands marriage, sexuality, and family. That's his intended design. 
But the moment sin enters, he tells the woman, now your desire is going to be for your, your husband. He'll be over you. And there's an air of resentment to this. The, the elements of that were already true, but it wasn't difficult. It wasn't a burden. Uh, it tells the man, you're going to, to work by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have this toil. And labor was already built in, but it was fruitful and fulfilling. Now, because of the separation from God, now we're at odds with creation. We're at odds with reality. We're at odds with the, the father of all these things. So all of the things that were present and were good are now present and less than good. We're, we're, mm. we're fighting against it, against ourselves. In that same way, we have, uh, regardless of, of the you know, biological details, the, you know, the, the creation details of those accounts. If God, if we needed to know that, God would have told us that. If we needed to know that for spiritual purposes. That doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to seek truth and, and I just didn't know that. if that was something I didn't know. That no, I no, that's, <laughs> you know, what you know is what we've been told. And there are Christian folks out there who teach very specific details. It must be this way. It must be that way. Well, when we get beyond what it actually says, then we're surmising. We're starting to speculate and put things together. And some of that can be true. Some of it can be false. But if it isn't clear in Scripture, then it isn't necessary for okay. us to, to know that. Or, and it's not necessary for us to agree on that. So while I do believe in a young earth, I don't know that I believe in, in the specific dating that a lot of theologians have come up with of 6,000 years or whatever, I, I could see places where that could have error. Um, the earth, I think, is clearly not, according to the biblical account, billions of years old. That that does not seem to fit. So I don't follow that. Other folks do believe in an, in an old earth theory, and they would take some things uh, with a different meaning. In any case, the, when it breaks down is when we step away from what Scripture says so that it fits our minds. When we try to make it fit our minds, we're in a bad situation to begin with. Our minds need to fit what the scripture says. So we start with different presuppositions and then we end up at different conclusions. So we, we need to recognize those presuppositions, accept the fact that we're going to have different conclusions because of them, but ultimately make sure that the text drives our framework the way we think, the way we see things, rather than our framework drive the text. Okay. That's an important thing. And and that also is where we ultimately find hope. One of the reasons that we, you and I were discussing beforehand, uh, that that some folks get really upset about things that, when, when, you know, when you put forth gospel truths, they'll get really fired up about it because they don't have peace. They're, they're wrestling with different aspects of, you know, this can't be true, this can't be true, that God can't do that, and so on and so forth. You don't like when I would do that? On the I don't table? care. I don't think they'll like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than when I that's knock on the microphone. That's true. That was super uncool. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, when we when we decide God can't operate outside of our way of thinking, right. when we're leaning on our understanding to dictate to God, here are the parameters within which God is able and allowed to operate. We're not going to have peace. We're just not because that's not how reality works. Because we're limiting God. Right. So how can you find peace in that? So when we get on board with God, then we find that, that our thoughts align with truth. Mm -hmm. We have to choose our thoughts and choose to deliberately align them with God's truth, with what he's revealed in his word. 
If we do that, then our experience will begin to line up with the reality that that follows that truth. So God's truth is the reality. The world that he created, the 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 uh, the situation, the system that he put in place, that he designed to work his way, only works his way. Right. So if we do anything else, choosing our way over his way, we are at odds with reality. And when we're at odds with reality, our entire existence is going to be governed by these discordant notes. We're going to, we're going to not be coming together the way we were intended. If we get our thoughts aligned with the truth of God's word, then our experience begins to align with reality and our feelings then will begin to reflect that reality and will come into a peace that goes beyond our ability to understand. Mm. That's, that's in a nutshell what, when, when Paul writes about a, a peace that passes understanding, that transcends understanding, there, there are many elements that go along with that, but the essence of it is it's not about our understanding. It's about being aligned with his reality. So when we choose to rejoice in the Lord always, when we choose not to worry about things that, that we don't control, but to hand them over to God with prayers and petitions, with thanksgiving, then we're able to receive from God that peace, that, that harmony that goes beyond our ability to understand our circumstances, our situation, or even where we got that peace. We just know that he's in control and we hand it over to him. Our struggle with peace very often is that, first off, we're not in harmony with God. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, that's the, the foundation of all, that we're not in harmony with God. But even for us as believers, where we struggle with peace a lot of the time is that we we fail to let God be God. We fail to let him handle it. So we say, God, give me peace, but then we won't receive the peace that he's giving. He's saying, okay, here's the peace. Get on board with my word. Right. Take this in. Trust it, believe it, take hold of it. And when you don't believe it, believe it. You have to take hold of this. When you do that, then you will experience the peace that I've already given to you, but you have to take hold of it. If I don't do that, and I then blame God for not giving it to me, it's not God's fault. He has presented the gift. I've chosen not to receive that gift. That's the difficulty that we run into because there is an effort, a diligence that comes into our walking this this pilgrim's journey uh, as we're going through this cursed and fallen earth, everything around us is discordant. And we are seeking harmony. So for us to do that, we have to find where is reality. Well, reality is in God's word. So when we hold to that melody line and everything that we do is based around that melody line and we, we get in step with that and we find the rhythm that matches that and, and we play the notes that he's given us in accordance with the melody that he's laid out, then we find that everything comes together great. But if we're all trying to play our own notes and I'm trying to match up with this discordant sound over here, instead of following the melody that the conductor has laid out, I'm, I'm just wrecking metaphors all over the place here today, yeah. but but if, if I'm doing my thing, mm-hmm. then it sounds like that cacophony when a symphony is all, everybody's Warming tuning up, their ears. Yeah. Yeah, it's a horrible sound, and nobody likes that. We accept it because it's necessary to get to where we're trying to get to, and I guess that's part of what allows us peace in our lives, is recognizing we live in this warming up cacophony, right? That's a very nice way of putting and it. If, and if we can endure that. I would call it a dumpster fire. <laughs> and accept that. 
Yeah. That we're, we are in the midst of discordant notes all around. Right. Everybody doing their own thing. We can't change that. But we can focus in on the conductor and we can play what he's given us and get on board with that. And then things come together. It's so easy to, I think, and we talked a little bit about this last week. It's so easy, I think, especially this time of year, to chase other things that we think will bring us peace, whether right. whether on a short-term basis or even on a long-term basis. And I think there's maybe two schools of thought on that. I, th- I know that some people... Uh, we've talked about like retail therapy. Mm-hmm. They think if I buy something, this will make me feel Food better therapy. for right. I that's that. that's where I tend to go. Me too. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, but that's short term. But then there are other people who think if I do good things, if I volunteer at, at a at a soup kitchen, or I donate money right. to this organization, or I do this, that's another way I think of chasing peace. That might seem, and it is. I'm not, and I'm not saying any of these things are not good things. Right. Good deeds make us feel better. Right. But that too eventually fizzles out. Right. And when we realize that we can't do enough good deeds to make up for all of the bad in the world, right. or even in our own hearts, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do those things. Well, and, and, but, and, well, and Paul addresses that, you know, in, in Hebrews, talking about keeping of the law and the sacrifices that they could never provide a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't designed to do that. They weren't capable of doing that. Law keeping is is our effort to try to clear our conscience, to try to find that peace, to try to get reconciled to God, and it doesn't work, and it can't work, and God didn't ultimately design it to work that way. His people were called to keep his law. Right. Keeping the law didn't make them his people. I was talking to my mom about this the other day about in the Old Testament all of the animal sacrifices they had to do for their sins. But, you know, immediately after they did an animal sacrifice, it would seem they have to do another one. They have to do another one. They have to do another one. It was an ongoing thing. Because the second you sacrifice this animal, you're going to sin again. Right. And so it's this ongoing thing. Which is why God had to set up ceremonies for them. Right. So that seems very messy, you don't by completely the way. run out of animals. Right. <laughs> because otherwise it would be a nonstop sacrifice that right. was always going to be incomplete anyway. So when we see God doing this, people are like, why would God require so many? Well, what God actually is doing is limiting mm-hmm. by giving you this by giving you this uh, structure to do it, you're getting a picture of the horror of sin, the ugliness of sin, the death nature of sin, separating us from the life giver, the fact that the only way to cover that sin is blood, and, and the, the life for life concept in sacrifice, all of which points to the gospel mm-hmm. ultimately. Right. But, but in, in seeing those things in the Old Testament, it wasn't intended for, for that to make us right with God. Right. Even in that, it was still being offered by faith right. that made it effectual, but ultimately it was still God's grace. God wasn't giving us, God wasn't bound by these things. God was bound only by his own character. Right. And so he said, I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. And here's the prescribed way of going about this. This was an act of worship. And in doing that, it it always proved insufficient right. to you cleanse might feel the like, per- oh, you can breathe for a split second right. and then, oh no, I got to do this again. Right. So I, I, I'm not trying to compare the, that from the things that we chase today, but this... Well, but it is similar. In, in, it's in, this temporary I mean, yeah. breath. Yeah, it's it, not similar in what God gave, but right. similar in how we pursue it. Right. And Israel was guilty of that. That's what the prophets were constantly calling them down about, is they were sitting against God and then trying to clean it up right. with keeping the law. 
So it doesn't sound keeping, very clean, by the so way. So you're keeping part of the law and breaking other parts right, of the law, right. which is why Jesus and Paul both said, if you are guilty of breaking one part, you're guilty of breaking all of it. Mm-hmm. It, it. The tiniest part that you didn't even know about, that you forgot even existed, right. when you violate that, you violated everything. Right. And you don't belong with God. And so that, that, that separation, that conflict with God puts us, again, at odds with all of reality because all of reality finds itself in him. In, in Jesus Christ, we see the, the creator, the supreme firstborn over all creation. And if we are at odds with God and, and, and at odds with his son, then we cannot experience the spirit of peace. That's not possible. So for us to be able to experience true and lasting peace, not the the stuff that we generally chase after the holidays or, or any other time, you know. Uh, even church. Even church. People come to church to Especially find Especially this peace. time of year. <laughs> that is, that's actually a big part of why you see it. Uh, without going too far into that, you know, we see people come to church out of guilt, right. to, trying to assuage my guilt. The, we see people coming to church because I have a hollowness. I need to fill that. I need this right now. I've heard a number of people say to me, I need this right, right. now. And things Brother, like, you need this all right. the time. But things but, like, a, like a Christmas Eve service where it's music and it's you know the lights are dimmed. That can make good, you feel you know, real good. Until it doesn't. Right. And that's, you know, when, you know, I, I love the song we talked about beforehand. And I really, are we going to make a commitment now on the on You the maybe podcast? do it on live? I'll sing my song. Okay. So the the, the last podcast of Advent will have Stacey. It might be the last podcast. Song, <laughs> uh, which I, I have to tell you, and I was just telling Shelly this. Uh, this is probably of all the songs that I've listened to from you. This is probably my favorite of all of them. It, it, it's tremendous. Well, and I, I can go into it the ain't details. About, it ain't about me. I can go into the details of why I think it's particularly. You sound well like crafted. your mom now. She sent me a threatening message to record, <laughs> to record the song. Uh, but I but I think it's particularly well well crafted. I think the melody is is strong. Okay, okay. And, you know, all of it's good. <laughs> but but the point being. When, when you're looking at all these things in the verses, talking about the, you know, the cocoa in my mug and, and all these and things. I love and all Hallmark those things. on TV. I love those things. And, and, and why do we love them? Because they, they make, make us feel, feel right, right? So, so we're, that's how it's supposed to feel. Right. You know? and, and that's one of the things I love about the Christmas season, the Advent season, is this, the nostalgia. I, you mm-hmm. know, I love to listen to most people, not all, but most people tend to listen to the music they listened to when they were growing up. Right, so, I'm guilty of so that. When I'm when I'm listening to Christmas music, right. I want to hear Nat King Cole, right. Bing Crosby, Johnny Mathis, Mahalia Jackson, and Andy the rest Williams, of the year I'm Ed listening Ames. to '90s music. Right, and, and so uh, I, I want to hear I want to hear the Oak Ridge Boys Christmas albums because that's what I listened right. to when I was growing up. Nostalgia, Amy Grant. nothing that's makes you huge. feel better than nostalgia, and you get that warm, even if something isn't that great, peaceful right. feeling. Right. You know, there's. It's the time that you might never drink eggnog any other time right. of year, but it's part right. of the season. So you Emma just, that eggnog. Emma just asked me to bring. To, I to love eggnog. Y'all eggnog. can just whatever. I love it. So, you know, but that's it's part of the season. Right. So you do these things that fit and they make you feel some type of way, right? So you because they get take into you this. back to a time where, and almost I, I think most of the Simpler, time, calmer, more innocence. Yeah, and and we seek that. We want that. But inevitably, that that form of Christmas peace falls short. Mm-hmm. It disappoints. When or any ex- peace throughout the year when we're we searching for that. When we expect that, right. you know, we look forward to that thing. 
And it's the same reason that people are so heartbroken after their weddings, right? So mm-hmm. he, he, everything's beautiful. You plan for and months. It's and you great plan. and we're in love and everything's awesome and we roll along and then life hits. And life doesn't feel like that first dance and that wonderful song. And and you spend the rest of your life trying to recapture that. Or pizza at your wedding. Uh, I ain't complaining. (laughs) Just downhill from there. But (laughs) pizza and taco bar for your wedding reception? How could you go wrong? I went to a wedding that had a taco bar. Fabulous choice. So anyway, as as we look at all, all those things, they're destined to fall short. They're destined to fail because they don't do the one thing that we need to set all things right. In a, in a dissonant world with conflict all around us, with turmoil inside and outside, where we are not just divided from one another, but ultimately the reason for all of this is that we are divided from our creator God, from Mm -hmm. the father of all things, the one who is the father of peace, the source of our peace. We are separated from him and we try to find that elsewhere. It's never gonna work with those cheap substitutes. They're good in their place, but they can't provide what we are expecting. We're hoping for a peace that we can't get which is why we lack joy in processing See, they all We need together. to experience the love of God hey. for the hope and peace and joy right. to come together. So ultimately, the real peace of Christmas is reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Anything else will fall short. All the religious things that, that we do, uh, whether we're talking about Eastern mysticism, you know, the, the Buddhist mentality, we can be super Zen. You know, we can, you know, if we're falling into the, the you know, the Islam where there's a lot of law keeping and rule keeping to cleanse our conscience and, and make us right Use with God. Crystals. It all, we can do all the new age stuff. All of these things that are designed to bring us peace will ultimately fail because even if we are able to manage Manage this this you know tenuous peace in our present life. Mm-hmm. We will stand before God, and if we are separated from Him because we have not received Jesus Christ, His only provision to overcome sin, then we will forever be at odds with God, at odds with reality. So to find ourselves back in harmony with God, it starts with that reconciliation to him in Jesus Christ, which is why Jesus came and we celebrate the Advent. Let me ask you a question that should take longer than 30 seconds to answer, but that's what you have. Um, I promise not to do that. Okay. Um, I have to go soon. (laughs) Uh, Is that... This is a blanket question, and I hope that I'm not the only one with this question because I'm not because I've, I've, I'm asking this because I've heard other people ask it before. Is that difficult? Is what to, difficult? Everything to receive to truly receive that gift. You hear all these things the about the gift of peace or the gift of reconciliation because they're not the same. The gift of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the, it, it, I would say it is impossible in ourselves. It requires the quickening of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, in Romans 8, we're told that the sinful, the, the, the mind that's governed by the flesh, the sinful nature, is hostile to God. Mm. It doesn't submit to God, nor can it submit to God. So in ourselves, in our flesh, in our sinful nature, we are so corrupted by that that we are incapable of desiring him. We because are incapable hear, of choosing to submit to God right. and receive Christ. You hear you have to believe it and receive it. That's what you hear all the time. Absolutely and true. And so that makes it sound so simple. But it is. is it that simple? 
It is that simple. It is not that easy. I knew you were going to say that. And, and we've talked about this right. for years, that there's a huge difference between right. simple and easy. And we keep trying, this is what religion does, we keep trying to complicate it because it's too simple. Mm-hmm. What God seeks from us, what God demands from us, and more importantly, what God himself offers to us, he does it, not us, right. is a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what we were created for. That's what everything was created for in the beginning when we had this perfect shalom, this perfect peace. The harmony with God was the intention of creation. All things exist for his glory. So our good, our our best life is his glory. Anything short of God's glory is not by definition, our best life. Mm -hmm. So as the Westminster Catechism would say, we exist for the purpose. Our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the relationship that we were designed for. Anything apart from that, anything sideways of that, will, will leave us hurting, lost, confused, in turmoil, and chasing after smoke. It's Mm. not going to ever be what we need because it's not what we were designed for. When we find the reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ and we're brought into harmony with him, now all of the other stuff around us becomes superfluous. It's not not relevant to us in the same way because I'm in him. I'm, I'm in this relationship. For me to be in this relationship, I can try to keep the law. Well, that's going to not work. It We've never talked has, about that, right? Yeah. That's a failure. I can try to be faithful and give my very best and believe really hard, and that's going to fail because nobody always believes at its fullness all the time. Everybody is going to have just the nature of humans Doubt. as we are dust, and, and so we have weaknesses, then we're going to be struggling with those things. So our... Even our belief is not the source of our salvation. That's a really important thing for us to recognize. And uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 really captures it well. And we're a little bit over, but I'm going to read a passage of Scripture when we get down here because it's too important not to. Uh, when, when we read in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that it's by grace that we're saved through faith, it's the grace that saves us. It's God doing this for us, in us, so that we are able to then receive that grace, this gift, he paid for it, we did not. We don't deserve it, we don't earn it, because then it would be wages, not a gift. The wages that we earn and deserve, as Romans 6.23 says, is death. That's what sin earns. We don't ever live a life apart from sin, therefore we all have earned death. That Romans 3, everybody is in this boat. But when we see in, in Ephesians 2 that we're saved by grace. We take hold of that grace by faith, by trusting in that grace. That's, that's pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's, everything hinges on that. We know that we've trusted in him, that we've believed in him when we repent. We give him our lives. We follow in him. We walk by the Spirit. So the more we walk in harmony with him, holding daddy's hand, letting the Spirit move through us, Jesus living his life through us, then we can have confidence And we can walk with boldness because we can experience, we can see it in our lives. When we're not doing that, then we lack confidence because we wonder, did God really change me? And so on and so forth because we're not walking in harmony with him. But we receive it by faith, by trusting. Hmm. Even the trusting, our ability to believe is from God. It's a gift of God, not of works, not of baptism, not of going to church, not of good deeds, not of keeping the law. 
So there's no room for any of us to boast or think that we're better than anybody else or we've I've lived a better life than somebody else. None of that. It's Christ alone, period. Christ alone is our hope in life and death. This is our opportunity to have this peace. So when we have peace with God through reconciliation with him and in Christ we become a new creature, Everything old is gone and we're starting over in him. That's not the same as the idea of we remove original sin through an infant baptism that right. ceremonially cleanses us of that. And now we start over with making our own choices from right. zero. That's not, the, that's not the same concept that we see in, in 2 Corinthians 5 about being a new creature. It, we're a new creature in Christ. He does it. He changes it. Our ability to walk continues in faith, not in law-keeping. But it's all about Christ. That's why we have peace. And I, I have to read from Romans 4 and 5 uh, as we wrap it up. So uh, as I'm looking this up, the, the, there are three things that we need to experience real peace. And the first is that we have to be reconciled to God. We have to come, come to, to him in Christ. And ultimately, uh, on the other side of that, we can recognize that it wasn't actually us coming, but it was him reaching us. But on our side of the curtain, we have to approach it as if it's all us even if it's all god on his side of the curtain that's we have a responsibility god is sovereign yet we are responsible and so we we have to start by being in harmony with him by being made right justified having our our sins set right by christ Mm -hmm. paying our penalty on the cross and we receive that by faith now we have gone from his enemies to his children that is just a mind-blowing thing in itself and then if that's the case, we have to we have to know this God to whom we've been reconciled. We have to come to a place where we actually know his word, not speculate. And this is what bugs me so much about social media Christianity, is we have so many speculations about God. And we have we have people out here talking about you know, our pets going to heaven and the rainbow bridge and all these different things. And, and you know, my dead relatives are showing up in cardinals at the wintertime and all, all these different things. But it's made up stuff. It's things that, that we get from human tradition. We get from, from some sort of, uh, of mythology that's out there that's really no different than paganism as, as we look at it. We just put Christian labels on it, but we still have made it up. If we're going to know God, we need to know God as he has revealed himself in the scripture. The only way for us to do that, here's a, just a mind-blowing concept, is to read the scripture. We have to know what he says. And we have to read it in the context of the whole of scripture, which means we can't just read a verse here, a verse there, find this inspirational thing. We have to see the whole package of truth. What is God doing from beginning to end? And when we do that, then all of scripture comes together in Christ and then funnels through Christ and his Holy Spirit in us to our lives today in principles. Then we can find those principles in the word of God. We can't just pick and choose and take little pieces or find memes that find that help us feel inspirational on on uh, Instagram. That's not ever going to be a good thing. So then when we know him, we need to then continue to walk in the same grace that saved us. When God ca- came to us, opened our eyes, took hold of our heart by his spirit, quickened us, uh, older versions would say, you know, the theologians would say this is the regeneration. This is when he, he gives us a living spirit to be able, going from death to life so that we can see, and people will debate the order of what God does. Mm-hmm. That's God's business. <laughs> what we know is all these things happen, and they happen virtually collocated. They're, they're, they're almost all at the same time in, in various ways. That's 
God's business, how he handles that. But we know that in him, his spirit quickens our spirit and enables us then to not be controlled by the flesh, but now to be controlled by the spirit in order to see his grace and receive it by faith. Then when we receive that grace by faith, he has already put in place before we were ever saved or even created good works that he's intended for us to do because we are his masterpiece. Mm. We're intended to, once we are in him, now walk in him, now live a life worthy of the calling that we've received, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean to earn our salvation, but to work it out, to walk it out, this is who I am, and because I am this, I want to obey. I don't want to any longer obey Daddy because he's got a big belt. I want to obey obey Daddy because I love Daddy. And I, yeah, I don't want to face that big belt. I know that's a reality, but when I recognize that all of God's wrath has already fallen on Christ, and everything else that happens after that, if God disciplines me, he disciplines me as his child mm -hmm. to steer me back into the direction I should be going. Now it's a loving discipline, not a, a, a wrathful justice, because the wrathful justice already fell in Christ. And that's what I want to read here from, from Romans 4 and 5. And uh, this will be the last thing that, that I have to contribute <laughs> um, as we look at this. So um, in, in Romans 4... Paul talks about the, the justification by faith that Abraham experienced. And having talked about the fact that uh, his, uh, his faith was credited to him as righteousness, he then picks up transitioning from Abraham to us in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 23 of the book of Romans. And he says, The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. He paid the price in his death as our substitute. Mm -hmm. And in his resurrection, he set us right. He justified us with, with the Father. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. The faith gains us access. We receive the gift. We unwrap it with the faith. And the grace is how we stand even now in Christ. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, reconciled to God, made right with him, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. 
we will stop there for today. I'm sorry for going over time. I asked a question that required a long answer, but uh, I think that's a good place to stop. Um, as always, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org, <clears throat> or you can leave a message on our Facebook or YouTube channel, or give us a call at... Well, I forgot the number now, 269-756-RLCC, and leave a voicemail. Well done. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time.